Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft for this week. Another milestone. We have the Senior Bowl behind us. And Mel and Todd venturing off topic a little bit right out of the gate here just because it, it you know, I'm looking at the traffic. It's the topic uh, du jour today. People were stunned by the trade of Alex Smith from Kansas City to Washington, then Washington subsequently signing him to a four-year deal with a whole bunch of money involved. It, You know how these deals are. They're usually one- and two-year deals that look bigger. But, no, he'll probably be around there in Washington a little bit. Obviously, this changes kind of the quarterback needs board a little bit. You know, this deal can't technically be done till March 14th, the start of the league season, but that'll still give teams, you know, 45 days essentially between then and the NFL draft. Mel, I'll let you get us started here. First thought when you saw the deal, we know Patrick Mahomes is now up in KC, but now suddenly, I don't know, we if we thought uh, Washington could be a team drafting if Kirk Cousins is going to be heading elsewhere, suddenly they got their guy. How does this kind of shift where people could be going and what you're thinking about the quarterback class now. Well, it shifts a lot because I think it solves uh, you know a couple issues that we had. Is first of all, where would Smith go? And because you know once that happens, that you obviously look at a team and say, okay, not going to look at a quarterback. I thought Washington could maybe look at Baker Mayfield, but I think Baker Mayfield and Todd will see if we agree. I think he's going higher than 13. So if that happens, then it wouldn't affect Washington anyway. So and they have their quarterback now. And then Cousins, we talked about the Cleveland Browns. Would they want to use a number one pick on a quarterback or get a guy who's a proven entity? And that would be Cousins. So it's kind of the, you know, you're trying to put the puzzle together is what you're trying to do, and it just makes it a little bit easier uh, right now. And then we still have you know the three quarterbacks to decide how they're going to fall. We don't know that yet. I mean, I think Rosen and, and Darnold will see at the combine. We'll see at their pro days how they fare. Uh, Allen already had his senior bowl week, and certainly Mayfield did as well. Uh, and, of course, Kyle Lalletta, Todd's guy at Richmond, got the MVP of the game. So uh, all these quarterbacks are falling into place, but – Rosen and Darnold with Allen. That's the group that we still have to figure out. And, and then you have to look at which teams will take a quarterback. And there's so many that could, but they also have an option to go with Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State. If they so desire, that would be the Giants. Seemed like Eli Manning moving forward would be the guy. So still a lot of unanswered questions, but at least this defines what's going to happen with Smith when there were so many like Jacksonville, Arizona. We had a lot of other teams that were in the mix. Todd, question for you. I saw yesterday, and and we could see the reaction coming in, that so Alex Smith, we know what Alex Smith is. I call him Game Manager Plus. You know, the guy led the NFL in passer rating last year, 26 TDs, 6 INTs. But I sense because Alex Smith is 33 and we know what Alex Smith is, there's a lot of Redskins fans that they'd rather have the they'd rather have a mystery box A or B, please. They'd rather have that draft pick. Now, you are going to spend the next two, three months and Mel talking about what these quarterbacks could be. Put your GM hat on a little bit here. Are you, are you trying to, is, is there a part of you that says to these fans, wait, you're crazy. I have an established quarterback. You really want me to go in with a rookie? I just, I know you see this in your Twitter feed every day, but fans would much rather have the mystery than the kind of the mid-level guy, but the mid-level guy wins a lot of football games. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. It really is a tough one because the mid-level guy in this instance had a lot more around him, I would say. I mean, right. you could argue that, but I, I think Kansas City, what they had around him, and, and yes, they won a lot of games, but they – there's not many guys winning the Super Bowl. Let's put it that way. There's not many quarterbacks that are consistently there every year. We know the names. So when you're looking at your situation, you have to say, okay, are we as good or, or better than Kansas City in every other spot where if you're Washington, I don't know that you can honestly give that evaluation for your team. So I can understand some frustration moving forward and thinking, you know what, we just kind of, we had a very similar quarterback here anyway, and, and we haven't been able to, to turn the corner or, or get to where we want to go or consistently be a, a playoff team. So I don't know. It, it's difficult because, yes, you're, you're assuring that you have stability, and, yes, you're assured that you're going to get quality play at that position, but I think there's a ceiling to what you can do. And I think now, you know, how do they handle the position moving forward? Is this a, an opportunity to bring someone in to develop in the back end? Um or do you legitimately think that you can continue to put together a team that's going to to help Alex Smith get to the Super Bowl? I mean, that's that to me is the interesting conundrum uh, that Washington had and, and kind of faces moving forward. Todd, just a quick follow to you then. If you're Washington, you have Alex Smith, 33 going on 34. Yeah, he signed for a few years. Aren't you – I mean, a lot of people said, oh, well, now they don't need to draft a quarterback. Well, why not? He just doesn't have to be in round one. Are you suddenly starting to think, sorry, Colt McCoy, but are you starting to think, okay, this is that team that could be a round three, round four type? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think every year you need to evaluate the quarterbacks and see where they're sitting. We've talked about this before, and it's kind of a philosophical point, but Patriots are the perfect example. Every other year they draft a quarterback, and a lot of teams – you know, believe in that philosophy, but it gets tricky because when do you want to utilize a pick and how many guys really actually wind up going in on day three that become starters in the league and good starters for that, for that matter. So uh, they were, you've got to at some point make the tough decision in round one, round two, round three. Hey, are we going to pass on a, a starter for a guy that we are going to try to develop for the next few years? And oftentimes the people in the room who are making these decisions, don't trust that they have their job for, for long enough to, to do that. And so you, you get short-sighted, whereas a, a Bill Belichick knows that he's going to be in New England as long as he wants to be. Right. Mel, just looking at this draft board, because this was the immediate follow-up question after this trade happened. So you're the Cleveland Browns. You got oodles of money. Are you more interested in Kirk Cousins? And I don't know, you're drafting a Chubb, a Barkley, a Fitzpatrick at one, or do you want that quarterback at one? Or, and then maybe you're the Giants. Is it Cousins or Rosen? Or you're the Broncos. Is it Cousins or is it Mayfield? Or the Jets, the same deal mm-hmm. with them, Allen, Mayfield. Which of those teams, where do you think Cousins is a fit versus taking that draft pick? I think Cousins makes the most sense in Cleveland. It always has just because of John Dorsey. Alex Smith. Who does Alex Smith compare to? Kirk Cousins. They're very similar types of quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. you think about Alex Smith and, and now going to Washington. You think about Kirk Cousins if he goes to Cleveland. He played at Michigan State. Uh, yeah, he's certainly a quarterback can get you to eight and eight. You can go from 0 and 16. If this team handles their cards right, Todd, they could be, they could go from 0 and 16 to eight and eight. 
And if you put Cousins out there with Saquon Barkley, Adam Minka, Fitzpatrick, you already have Miles Garrett. You got a lot of young standouts potentially on defense. Uh, you got you know got to get some receivers. You know that you got some tight ends that could emerge next year and Joku, Devalve, and the like. So you got some weapons. You need a couple receivers. You add Barkley. The line's pretty good. We got to see what happens with Joe Thomas, but pretty good, especially the interior. Now I think this is a team. You put Cousins in this draft with all these picks, other than the one, even adding on to the ones we've talked about. Early on, uh, to this talent base, the Cleveland Browns have a very bright future. Now, is it a Super Bowl winning future with Kirk Cousins? Is he a plateau quarterback? Yeah, you could make the argument he is. Alex Smith is a plateau quarterback right now. But hey, we've seen you know Nick Foles. What have we said about Nick Foles? He's in the Super Bowl. Okay, Bortles almost made the Super Bowl. Really should have. Okay, really should have. They should have beaten New England. Their defense let them down. But you know, we ever would have ever never thought these quarterbacks get to a Super Bowl. So why can't Smith or Cousins uh, get to a Super Bowl? These guys. Can. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, as you recall, Mel. Oh, don't even start. <laughs> Todd, what do you, Todd, what do you think? I mean, if, can, can you do that math? If it, you just talked about how you can understand why fans would say, no, 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 I'd rather have the upside. Give me a Sam Darnold instead of a, an Alex Smith or a Kirk Cousins. At least I can dream on that where maybe I don't feel like I can dream on those guys. Play GM for a minute. If you're Cleveland, as Mel said, I mean, Alex Smith is a perfect example. You know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs were 1-15. They brought in a new head coach. They brought in new leadership. And they said, you know what, let's just get, let's just go from worst QB situation to middle of the pack. They went 11-5. and Yes, he had a lot of help. But, hey, Browns threw a parade at 0-16. I mean, 8-8. Eight and eight. What does that get you? <laughs> Listen, the stability, I think, for Cleveland with having a, a guy like Cousins there would make sense. Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to start drafting well around that position, and you have to start hitting on some of these picks. I mean, we talk about Cleveland every year with two first round picks. It seems like, and <laughs> yeah. like seven picks in the, in the top hundred and ten, and like every year it's this this remarkable number of draft picks that they have, especially early quality picks. And you just look at their depth chart and you say, what, what, "Where's the talents? Where 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 are the real legitimate?" Difference makers on this on this Cleveland Browns roster, and yeah, there are a few guys that are, are, have a chance to be really good players, but there's nobody right now that's a star. Nobody that you look at and you you believe and trust in for the long term that um, that they're going to be around. I mean, Josh, Josh Gordon can he stay on the field? Can he stay right? I mean, he's their easily their best player. I would say Miles Corey Garrett Coleman's been a, Corey, a lot Corey of, Coleman's been a disappointment. Yeah, he's been a disappointment. They don't running back. It's kind of a, a mixed bag. Um, Crowell could be gone. Duke Johnson's more of a pass catcher than anything. So mm-hmm. there's just there's not a ton of, of legitimate weapons, and there's a lot of guys that I think could really benefit from having stability at that position. You know, David Njoku has a lot of talent. Rough rookie year, but but you get a quarterback that can actually get him the ball, and he stays healthy, and he's a young guy and continues to develop. I think that they can win eight games, but again, what's your what's your true ceiling? And for it, winning eight games for Cleveland, as I've said last week, and I feel like we talk a lot about Cleveland on this podcast. But hey, winning eight as games, you said they're drafting the top five every year. Yeah, yeah, uh, but winning eight games is a big step, 
And so if you can win six, seven, eight games and, and start getting some positive vibes out of that organization and maybe a free agent or two might consider coming to Cleveland that would not have earlier because you've won one game in the last two years, I think that's a step in the right direction. And there's certainly a lot less risk by bringing in a Kirk Cousins, as long as you can manage the salary cap. And, and from what I understand, they have a boatload of money to spend in Cleveland. Yeah, now that could be a bonanza. It really could be a, a true bonanza if you talk about getting Cousins Barkley and Fitzpatrick, Todd. If you get three guys like that added to your roster, uh, you got the proven entity quarterback, you got the uh, running back that could be really, really special, and you got a great defensive back potentially. So, uh, and you add that to a Miles Garrett and the other guys. So all of a sudden, you got other draft picks. You got a lot of other draft picks in, a, in what we've said is a very strong deep draft to, to add to this personnel base. So if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan and I can get that, as I say, bonanza, I'm ecstatic rather than taking a quarterback that you don't know what you're getting. How, how long is it going to take that quarterback? So to me, yeah, uh, John Dorsey, would he be executive of the year if he went from 0-16 to 8-8? He probably would. All right, just to put a button on this, uh, one for each of you, a couple quick questions. Todd, your favorite subject, Cleveland. If Kirk Cousins is there, does Barkley – I've been asked this 10 times today, so i got to ask you, does Barkley come into play at number one? I get it running back too early, but – what do you do if you can't find a dance partner to trade down? You have your quarterback you just spent a billion dollars on. What do you do there at number one? I mean, now it becomes yeah, an actual player. scenario. Take the best player. Absolutely. Dorsey's used early round picks on, on running backs before. Mm-hmm. And I, if they believe he's the best player in the draft, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, to me, you just need difference makers. And he is an immediate impact player. And then you, you team him up with Coleman, and if Njoku starts to develop and you've got stability at quarterback, now you're cooking with a little bit of gasoline. At least you've got something. Miles Garrett provides the pass rush, and you've got a defensive back now that that can help in coverage and run support and brings versatility. If you were to get a, a Minka Fitzpatrick or or a Chubb at the you know as another pass rusher, however they wind up handling it, but to me they. Um, yeah, to answer your question, absolutely, he should be in play at number one. I'm waiting for a Kuiper tangent on Penn State running backs drafted early. Enos, Kajana Carter, Blair Thomas. Come on, Mel. Yeah. Kurt Warner was in there. It was pretty good. So that hasn't all been, you know, but I, you know, we all can get into the whole running back philosophy. But, <laughs> and of course, John Dorsey did get Kareem Hunt in the third round last year. So there are running backs to be found that are really good beyond the first and second round. That's always our argument for to Todd's point. If he's the best player and you're picking number one and you don't get an offer, we'll have to see what kind of offer Cleveland got to move off of one. What if they got a, a big time offer? If somebody identified identifies the quarterback they want, they may go up and get them. So we'll have to see. It's a long time till late April, but they're in a position. The Cleveland Browns are in a great position to really, really move forward quick. And in a division that doesn't look really promising moving forward into the next three to five years with Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger and Baltimore with Flacco in the I like back. how Mel keeps fading Baltimore, Todd. Hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Cleveland right now. I think Cleveland, I won't say, I said this when the Daria Mel show, Todd, and I, I probably was a little early saying it. <laughs> they, they could own this division if they handle things properly over the next three to seven to ten years. Three to seven to ten. That's a hedge bet. Hey, well, Mel. that's because we don't know how long, we don't know how long everything's going to be in place. But if you get cousins who's still young and he's your guy and you add to this talent base, I'm talking three to ten years, you could own this division. Guys, let's put a bow on this this whole trade and all the the interesting scenarios. I'm just interested in what you guys think. The Kansas City Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. We all said, okay, you know, raw guy, you don't want to play him right away. I mean, this is like 
yeah, we'd love to sit every guy two and three years like back in the day, but is this not just kind of textbook how you guys consistently talk about players? I, every year I hear it. Well, you don't want to have them in round one. This is a perfect scenario for them. You know, regardless of what happens with Patrick Mahomes, do we feel like they did this the right way? They had a quarterback in place. They, yes, maybe didn't like them moving up or losing a first round pick for it, but they drafted, they got their guy. They let him sit an entire season, only played him in week 16 when they had their playoff situation wrapped up. Is this how it's supposed to be done? I think it's a pretty, pretty effective way to do business. I do. I think you, anytime you can get a year and win as many games as they won this year, but are able to be around Mahomes, you know, the new guy and see him in practice and see him just the way he's carrying himself and how he's learning and what he's absorbing and, and have a year again where you're winning as many games as Kansas City did and then be able to transition to a guy that you truly believe. I mean, forget what we think. It, we're not in the building every day and we're not around him. They have to believe that he is going to be a significant upgrade at that position. And it may, it may be he get a bump in the road here, you know, for a year or two, but they believe that he can be special. And talking to people in and around that organization, that is the, the absolute thought. And so now you transition after year one, you still have a young quarterback, you have a lot of weapons around him, as we talked about, you get the third round pick back, you get another player in the trade. Um, you know, back basically. So, so now, like, how much did you really lose by moving up to go get him? I, I think it was really well played, to be honest with you. I think the whole thing was well played by them, and I think now that they, they believe in this guy, and it's time to go take a shot with him. Yeah, they gave Alex Smith this year. They gave him a year while Mahomes was sitting and watching. They did play in the final game, and he did have a good preseason and all that. So he was able to get some experience, okay, and watch Smith and, and watch a team win games and and watch, obviously, and then get on the field late at the end of the year uh, and play, okay? And then get in the playoffs, and you give Alex Smith one more shot to say, can we get to a Super Bowl? Then maybe Mahomes sits for another two, three years, okay? They didn't get there. They're at home again, and they go down again. And they got a lead again, and they lose the lead again, and they can't finish. Now, you could blame it on Kelsey's injury, whatever you want. Bottom line is they got to the playoffs, they got the home field, they did not get it done again. So you gave him a shot, he didn't get it done, this plateau quarterback, and you send him off to Washington. Now you got the big arm, the young, big-time prospect who's going into a second year, and he's acclimated to the NFL, and we'll see if he can get us to the next level. Uh, that's what they want, to get to the next level. They've gotten to a level that every year, but they can't get beyond that and now maybe Mahomes can get him to that point you know it's funny Todd pointed it out um earlier but this this trade represents you know really the two big stages of quarterbacking in the NFL EA you have the guy but you don't think he can get you to the Super Bowl the Smith the Bortles he fell short and that's what happens so KC's like you know let's go with the ceiling and Mahomes and then in Washington's end they saying if you don't have a quarterback at all you're just fired so we're just going to get a guy in Smith's to keep us relevant. But it really is, it's one of the two. Guys, transitioning out of that, um, you know, it's a few days past now, but wanted to hit the biggest risers and fallers uh, out of Mobile, out of the Senior Bowl. Todd, going in, uh, I think pretty reasonably you called this one of the most fascinating Senior Bowls you can remember because you did have – you know, the wild, the big name in Baker Mayfield, you know, how he performed mattered, how he measured matter, really. Um, and then obviously Josh Allen, a possible number one pick. I saw a certain Mr. Kuiper put him at number one in his mock draft before we got down there. 
just at least starting at that quarterback position, who are, who are the big risers and fallers for you? There was a lot of talk around the QBs. This is a fun group, man. This is a lot of fun. And it's not always like this, and, and understandably so, because quarterbacks to kind of do their own thing. And Phil Savage does a great job of recruiting the top guys, but oftentimes they're not even eligible because they're underclassmen. So to have a year where Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, even Luke Falk are able to come down and, and perform, and then to have some other guys that played a little bit better than expected, uh, Kyle Lalletta from Richmond being being one of them. I thought he had an outstanding week. And I, I think people got to see him in a different light. It's one of the great reasons why you have these All-Star games is to see Guys who have played in the FCS go up against top competition and, and you also get to be around him, see how he leads, see how quickly they process information. And then you talk to the, the coaching staff that's been around him during the week and, and just to hear how quickly he's, you know, picking things up in terms of the installations and, and understanding where to go with the football. It was really impressive to, to everyone who was around him and for, for, the, for us just on looking and evaluating, but, you know, I think the two names that everyone wants to talk about, understandably, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, were exactly what you would expect, and I think that's great in scouting. When when players come come down to a game like this and and go out and perform, and they don't perform like they did on tape, then you you worry, you know, whether it's negatively or positively, then you've got to go back and, and study more and see what you were missing. But Mayfield, I thought, struggled a little bit in some individual drills. I thought he was trying to keep up with Josh Allen in, in an arm contest, and you're, you're just not going to win that that fight against Allen. And I think Allen was inconsistent with his footwork as, in the beginning of the week and got better and better every day. And I think the biggest thing was just throwing the ball with a little bit more touch. I mean, this guy tries to, he tries to nip the outside black with 103 miles an hour on every pitch. And you don't need to, man. And he's, I think he learned that as the, the week went on and he, they got very good coaching. They worked a lot. If you were there just watching practice, a lot on their footwork and, and drills. And then going back to Mayfield, I thought when game action started, whether it was seven on sevens, 11 on 11s, he, his instincts kicked in and the playmaker that he is started to come out more and more. And then the energy that he brings, you know, started to come out more and more. So neither was perfect. I thought they both got better as the week went on. I think, I think they both kind of helped in terms of what they're looking for. And I, I think that Luke Falk is the one guy that really no one's talking about that helped himself tremendously after a rocky senior year coming out of Washington State. So you're talking about four quarterbacks right there that I think helped themselves and two of them that belong somewhere in, in the top 10, 15 picks in this draft. Mel, on the topic of Allen, this is getting into the stupid Sproul realm, but Todd talked about how he was rough early in the week and then he started to really figure some things out as they got into different drills, different footwork and things like that. I was thinking to myself that maybe that's something that how rocky he started could benefit him because he improved during the week. That That's really the question on Allen, right? It's how much can he improve? How much does he have the capacity to get better? Because we know the skill set, the potential skill set is off the charts. Um, what is your vibe on Allen now after, again, you already put him number one, but you were doing that banking on people believing in this growth process that he's capable of. 
Yeah, and I think it has to do with, as you said, did he get better? Uh, you know, did he come in, thrown out there, and Todd's trying to be Nolan Ryan every throw? And and he is Nolan Ryan, but you got to take it. And I think to, to go out there and you say, my strength is my arm. I'm going to show him that. Well, you showed him that, and, and it took away from what you need to do. It's all bo- wobbly balls, inaccurate throws, and just overthrowing and just trying to be too much of that 105-mile-an-hour fastball. And you knew that. but And you were thrown in with new guys and the Pressure is immense. Uh, he didn't have to be there. He went there to, to compete. And as a competitor, he got better and better and better. And by the end of the week, by Wednesday, Thursday, he was lights out. I mean, he was making throws and taking something off and being accurate and, and loving the game. And I think the camaraderie of Mayfield and Allen, two guys that could have gone at it like it was a war down there. And they, they, they competed, but they have, it was a mutual admiration society, those two. And they get into the game. And then Josh Allen, you know, second quarter, he showed his mobility. It just did, he didn't move the team. But, you know, he gets in there, comes out of halftime. You don't know if he's going to play or not. He said, I want the ball. And he comes out in the third quarter and he's making plays again. He's a competitor and he, he just showcased everything you want. Mobility in the second quarter, which we knew he had. The, the big time arm, the touch, the accuracy was nine to 13. Uh, yeah, he didn't miss much. And I think that the fact that he got so much better every time out there, uh, puts him in the mix. Mayfield did what he needed to do. And, uh, he had a really good week. And, uh, there's no question right now, Rosen and Darnold have, I think, have a little catching up to do. Uh, because this kid went down to Mobile and competed. They are still to be determined how their pro day combine will be, how they'll stack up. I, I'm gonna do it, Todd. I'm gonna, I'm gonna compare and what I'm gonna talk about him on draft day. Who do you think? I'll, I'll throw it out there to both of you. Chris Brown, Todd McShay. Who do you think I see a lot of when I watch Josh Allen perform i did i saw it in college and i saw it in Mo- who do you think i'm gonna compare him to you got this one i've always said you? i've Go always ahead. said roethlisberger i don't know i don't know who you would compare him to oh i'm gonna forget the height because the height is you know is, is because of Roth's the size i mean he's 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 taller than this quarterback but he's got the rocket arm there were concerns about other things accuracy consistency he was only at 57 percent coming out of college he was at 55 and change the year prior to when he came out Ended at 57%, okay? Matthew Stafford. I see a, Matthew, a lot of Matthew Stafford in the way this kid throws the football. Arm talent, I, I can see that because arm, Matthew Stafford can throw a ball underhanded about 50 yards. And Allen we saw Allen like sidearm one yeah. complete in the game. He went, he had different arm, uh, you know, uh, you know, distribution points with the football. So, uh, and arm angles and all that. But I, I, it's, I think the same criticism of Stafford, 57%, not yeah. always on target. Even with AJ Green for a little yeah, bit yeah, of that. Yeah. So I, I think Allen and Stafford, forget the height. I mean, so Stafford's not as tall as Josh Allen, but uh, they move around similarly, uh, and they both have, I think, rocket arms. And I think we all know they both have rocket arms. Yeah, I think Allen's probably more mobile. I think you know, he is, and he's a little taller. But I, I, the arm strength and inconsistency with accuracy coming out, I, I think, are, are fair comparisons, yeah. Todd, you mentioned Luke Falk. I find him to be... Uh, I've plenty, watched him plenty, but fascinating for a couple reasons. One, again, so many people have come out of that, you know, the Texas Tech, then Baylor, the Four Verts, with so much, so many questions around them. What what will translate? What won't? Luke Falk, though, um, showed up, did a lot of things well, anticipated well. Uh, and then we also find out late in the season that he was playing essentially the whole year with a, a basically a broken wrist on his left arm. So he showed a lot of toughness throughout the year in terms of, I get it, you know, draft range, we're still pretty far off, but what did he do to move into place? Cause I just, we get a lot of questions about who's kind of that fifth guy. Is he in the mix? 
Um, I would say he's probably not in the mix fifth. I think, I think when you look at it, you know, we talked about the top four, Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Baker, however you have them. I Mm -hmm. think, I think Lamar Jackson will probably wind up being the fifth quarterback taken. And then I think possibly Mason Rudolph after that, but I think he's kind of starting to get in that range. I mean, I gave him a second round grade coming in the season and he didn't, he, he was kind of up and down this year, had some issues. You don't know the backstory either. I mean, the head coach there is a different cat and, and it's not always on the player and, and yep. there's some inconsistencies there, but, um, but I think what he did was he showed that if, if you play in New Orleans or you're playing in warm weather, you know, either dome or warm weather a majority of the time and arm strength doesn't have to be as big a deal as it is in Cleveland or the, you know, the AFC North and some other places. I think you look at him and say, you know what? We could get a really good backup here or possibly a guy that develops into a solid starter one day because his accuracy and how quickly he processes and his touch and multi-dimensional throws versus the one-dimensional throws, meaning being able to to take you know some heat off the fastball, being able to drop the ball in between coverages, knowing when he's got to you know, get some extra zip on it. And I think he showed actually, to be honest with you, a little bit of a stronger arm than I expected to see based off of the game tape. So I think he had a great week from beginning to end, and I would argue that he had the most consistent week of all the quarterbacks. And it was a week where we saw some really good quarterback play compared to what we normally see. Mel. Now, just to add oh, on to ahead. that, Chris, uh, you know, I think Mike White, Western Kentucky, in the game, and we saw this at Western Kentucky, I mean, the ball jumps out of his hand. And, uh, I mean, he really made some impressive throws. So I think if you want another, the top gun, the big arm, Mike White's going to be the guy. If you want the, the quarterback who's professional in his approach, very imp- impressed with Falk and uh, in interviews. Uh, obviously, you get on the board. He's got the high football IQ coming out of that system. He's going to adapt a lot quicker than people will think he would coming out of Washington State offense. He's also just thrown a football about 10,000 times. And, and, you know, there is something to be said for yeah, look, at, look at his completion percentage. Right. Look at the way he handles himself, obviously playing through the injury this year. I think Luke Falk, and he's always patterned himself, Todd, after Tom Brady. That's his hero. That's yep. who he watches. And if you see the way he throws the football and his release and all that, it is kind of Brady-esque. And I, I think if you're going to compare him to somebody, can he be as good as Kirk Cousins has been in the NFL? I think he can. So I'd say for Luke Falk, I think you know, Mike White will probably go higher. Uh, Letta is going to build on that momentum. Lamar Jackson probably and Rudolph. But, you know, Falk, if he's the eighth, ninth quarterback off the board, I think you're getting yourself one heck of a bargain. Mel, to that and to, and to wrap on the quarterbacks a little bit, going in there, we, we, we knew we had a top four. Then, you know, as Todd pointed out, it was Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph. Those are the guys we saw as, you know, more in the second round mix. Do you think, and, and you mentioned Falk, we mentioned Laletta, uh, haven't mentioned, uh, Ben Kurt out of Virginia, haven't mentioned Brandon Silvers out of Troy or Tanner Lee out of, of Nebraska. My vibe coming out of this and reading some of the guys you, mm-hmm. some of the stuff you put down is, it seems like the quarterback class feels a little bit deeper than it did when we went there, just in the sense that there might be a few, we maybe some of these guys will go a little bit earlier than they would have. Going in, um, I don't know if Falk it will, is possibility for late round two or early round three, but do you get the sense that maybe we'll see a few more guys off the board by the, before the end of round three at this point? Uh, 
I do now. I think this is a better group than some of the ones last year that ended up in that fourth round mix. Like say Josh Dobbs, I think some of these guys are a little bit ahead of the game. And I think you look at, at Falk, is he a career backup or is he Kirk Cousins? We'll find out. But I think that'll put him in the third round discussion. I think Mike Whiteside's going to get the big bump. I, I think the big arm, the height, and the way he throws the football and the way he played in that game, I'd see Mike White as a solid second rounder now. I think Falk's more of a third round type pick. Ben Kurt, the same thing at Virginia you saw, periods of inconsistency. When did you say Mike White? I think Mike White goes second round. Oh my god. Are you serious? Yeah. Woo. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I think, okay. I think second round for White. I think Falk third round. I think Lawletta third round. I think Ben Kurt more four, third, fourth round. Rudolph probably second round. Lamar Jackson probably <laughs> second round. All right. Well, we hit the quarterbacks pretty hard. We got about ten minutes to go through. Well, let me interrupt. Oh, go ahead. Todd, if, if, if Mike White, you take exception a second. Where? What round would you put him in? Fifth. Fifth. Wow. Fifth. Okay. Yeah. Sounds, I like, just, I sounds don't, like we got I, a pretty I, I good over under bet. Yeah, we do. We got, this is our this yeah. is our little our wager is going to be like who's close? Are we who's closer here? Is he going to go closer to the fifth or closer to the second? I hear a few guys. I I feel like these guys are going to be making calls. Saying, all right, what's your floor for this? Yeah, guy? and also Todd, let's 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 make this uh, get back. This is not a rating. This is where you think if you had to mock him out now, you would say fifth round. I, I mean, I can only go off of what I see. I mean, I haven't talked to a bunch of people about Mike White, except I've talked to a couple of people who weren't overly impressed with, it, I mean, that's pretty good. with his interviews about, you know, when, and when they've been interviewing with him, which I think is a big red, red flag at any position, but especially at that position. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know where people think he's going to go. Probably as we get closer, I'll, I'll bug more people on like the later quarterbacks. I just haven't, really worried much about where he's going to go as much as what I think of him. And I think he's, he's got some arm talent. I see it. There's no question. He's big. He's six, four, he's 220 pounds. Um, but I think he makes some questionable decisions. I, I think he flashes, but I need, I think he needs a lot more consistency. And I, what are you getting in terms of the, the guy? And, and we'll see, mm-hmm. but I, right now I would say I would grade him out as late. I have a late fourth, early fifth round grade on him. All right, a lot of junkies, draft junkies, listen to this podcast, and these are some of the names they want to hear about. Todd, get us kicked off. Draft risers, a lot of guys that are super under the radar. These are the guys that go in there as nobody, and they come out as Ali Marpet or somebody you've actually heard of. I saw you had down Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. Who is he? Why is he good? Why did he rise? And then uh, let's hit a few other names here, guys. Yeah, Hamilton had a really good week. You know, his his tape is is good, not excellent, but he seems to find a way to get open and, and make some plays. And I, I thought Chris Campbell, the corner from um, Penn State, from Penn State, also had a really good week down there. And I think they both helped themselves. I think when you probably the biggest riser of a guy that nobody would know anything about would be Alex Kappa from Humboldt State, six six, two hundred ninety nine pounds. He battled. Didn't he had a, a really good week, but um, I mean, I, I can just go down the list. I think Braxton Berrios helped himself as much on special teams as, as it was wide receiver. DJ Chark from LSU. Yep. Um, James Washington had a good week, whereas Marcel Aitman, his his running mate at Oklahoma State, was um, was a little up and down. I thought Tyler Conklin surprised coming out of Central Michigan. I think he's a late round pick. Uh, just a really consistent week and kept showing up. 
whereas some of the other bigger name guys were a little bit more erratic. He's, I'm not saying he's as talented as Gasecki or Fumagalli. I'm just saying he, he had a really solid week. The best player there was probably, you could argue, Isaiah Wynn, the guard, the tackle from Georgia who kicked inside the guard and was absolutely dominant. Um, Hernandez was another one who had a, a really good week at, at the offensive guard position. Uh, Taekwon Lewis played really well. Outplayed a lot of other bigger named Ohio State guys and, and guys from, you know, Alabama and those schools. Marcus Davenport, I, you know, was inconsistent early in the week and got better as practice went on and was dominant at some, some points in, in practice and, and game type action. Um, he's going to be a first round pick is my guess when it's, when it's all said and done. Um, couple more, BJ Hill and Justin Jones, both the NC State guys I thought had really consistent weeks. Shaq Griffin, just love this dude. I mean, everything he's been through without the hand. and Got invited to the combine was, yesterday. Yep, got invited to the combine. Congratulations to Shaq Griffin. He earned it. He earned it before the Senior Bowl, and, and then he kind of sent out a message during the Senior Bowl because at 222 pounds – I know he's never going to be an elite edge rusher in the NFL, but he just kept showing up when it was game action against really good talent, and he showed that he can play off the ball a little bit, and I think he's going to be a really good special teams player. And then finally, a couple smaller school guys. Darius Leonard from South Carolina State had a really good week at the linebacker position, and Michael Joseph from Dubuque <laughs> had a strong week too. We were just talking about it earlier, Kuiper and I. That's another Division three player that – that's going to wind up getting drafted. You don't see that very often. And uh, and I think Joseph's got a really good chance to go in that probably six-round range. Mel, a name that popped uh, – I don't know what Todd mm-hmm. maybe mentioned it, but one that popped out I think both of you saw. Mm-hmm. Nathan Shepard from yep. Fort Hayes State. Who is he? Great story. He was a Canadian kid. Uh, you know, started out with Simon Fraser. He added a lot of weight during his career. Ends up at Fort Hayes State. He's, he does a great job. Uh, this past year, he had 12 and a half tackles for loss. He had, uh, you know, nine and a half tackles for loss the previous year. He had 69 tackles back in 2015. Just a kid who shows a lot of versatility, got a lot bigger, and really put on a show. And unfortunately, he had the broken hand. I believe it was midweek around Wednesday down in Mobile. But here's a kid has a chance to get into that third, fourth round discussion. Nathan Shepard from Fort Hayes State. And just to piggyback what Todd said, a couple other guys. I think Jalen Samuel's versatility at NC State's going to be something the teams can utilize very heavily. I, Todd mentioned Berrios. That's Danny Amendola right there is Braxton Berrios with his returnability and his spunky and tough and as smart as he is and the ability to get open. Uh, Austin Corbett, uh, the center guard from Nevada. Uh, certainly Brett Toth from Army. Uh, yeah, I understand about the commitment. He's going to go through with that. But I mean, you're talking about guys got NFL ability down the road. Joe Noteboom, the athletic offensive tackle from TCU. Andrew Brown saw him in high school. He's a fifth highest rated high school kid coming out, Todd, uh, when, when uh, Miles Garrett school, was though. number one. And coming out of high school, he was a fifth highest rated player going to Virginia out of high school. And here he is. Cam Robinson was ahead of him. Miles Garrett was number one. And he did a really good job. Andrew Brown did. Uh, Teray, the uh, rush uh, outside linebacker from Rutgers, 3-4 kid. Oren Burks at Vanderbilt had a heck of a career, did a good job as well. Nick DeLuca, North Dakota State, a linebacker Burks did, and, and you mentioned MJ Stewart. Uh, a lot of kids, uh, I thought, uh, down in Mobile, from what I saw, were able to help their draft rating. One more I'll throw out there uh, before we wrap this up. It's hard to go under the radar at Alabama. I, I'm not sure if it was Todd or one of you mentioned Levi Wallace, the cornerback. Former walk-on. Uh, former walk-on. What's uh, Where do we put him? I'd say if you had to say what from a draft round perspective, uh, I'd say fifth to seventh. 
uh, is where yeah. you'd put him as a guy can end, can make a team, you know, in special teams and make a team as an extra DB. But uh, to get drafted for a kid that was way off the radar, Nick Saban raves about this kid. Obviously, coached him up a lot from where he was early on to where he was as a senior, making plays, showing good anticipation, breaking up a lot of balls. Todd, when you knew he would be attacked because of that secondary and the talent they had with Averett and Minka, uh, and all of a sudden there's the guy. Okay, if you're targeting a, a guy in that secondary, you're targeting Levi Wallace, and he was up to the challenge every week. Guys, lastly, just because it was it was a topic last year, running backs at the Senior Bowl, Kareem Hunt notably um, really helped himself at the Senior Bowl last year. Anybody, you know, we know this is kind of Barkley and everybody else uh, kind of year just in terms of where the evaluations are. Todd, a, a running back that stood out or somebody you came in who thought you should st- who should stand out and kind of dipped a little. Well, Kalen Balage from Arizona State, I thought had the I don't know best week or however you want to put it. I, I mm-hmm. thought he he's a guy who catches the ball so well. He's 6'1", 222 pounds, and has some quickness and agility. Um, you know, he's not a perfect back, but when you start talking about where you can get a back like that in the middle rounds, maybe the third, fourth round, probably fourth round. I, that's a pretty good value, and he's got he showed a lot of potential, and, and I thought he really helped himself. The hard part with with the running backs, and you know, to me, I was expecting a little bit more out of Rashad Penny. I know he had a better game than mm-hmm. the practices. Had a couple fumbles during the week. Didn't catch it. Did he? He, he, dro- he had a couple drops. The ball. Yeah, he yeah. had, co- had the one uh, catch in the game, right? Yeah, it's not like him. He caught the ball pretty well on tape. He inconsistent in pass protection on tape and during the week. So I, I didn't think. As a guy who's coming in with a, I don't know, second, third round, day two grade, I thought he would perform a little bit better uh, during the week. But, you know, this is the one position that's really tough because Barkley, Sony Michelle, uh, Darius Geis, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, Josh Adams, Mark Walton, Bo Scarborough, all of these guys are underclassmen. And so it's, it's tough to get really high quality uh, running backs to get into the game with the senior bowl. But um, I thought I would say... Balage probably helped himself as much as anyone, and Akram Wadley had a, a good week as well as, at Iowa. Yeah, now think about Balage, the best athlete, considered the best athlete on that entire Arizona State Sun Devil football team. Him's going to be, does he have enough wiggle, change of direction? Is he tough enough, tackle breaker enough to end the NFL? Hands are very good. And then Wadley from Iowa certainly uh, has a chance as a fourth, fifth round type guy. And I think when you look at Rashad Penny, he didn't catch the ball that much at San Diego State. He was underutilized in that aspect of the game, particularly this year. And he did have some drops, played extremely well in the game, had a great year at San Diego State. Uh, you know, Hunt went in the third round i think that's about where penny comes off the board all right guys uh hit the senior ball pretty well there want to take a quick break and then first draft listeners we will hit your mail a bunch has come in we'll answer the questions after the break and we'll wrap it up <whistles> todd mcshay you're gonna kick this off brendan fratz at ty brendan 60 asks who can the texans target to build around deshaun watson with a first or second round pick uh, I don't know about that first pick there, buddy, because they have Deshaun Watson. But, you know, make, thinking of mid-round weapon types, obviously they have DeAndre Hopkins, but uh, maybe they could use a little bit of extra help or some blocking. What do you think, Todd? Yeah, I think I think offensive line will continue to be an area that they're, they're looking. I think wide receiver, you know, there's to me it's not a really good group up top. You know, mm-hmm. after Calvin Ridley at Alabama, Christian Kirk, A&M, even – you get into Cortland Sutton from SMU and James Washington. I'm good players, but 
I don't know how many true number ones are going to be here, but you know, DJ Chark, I mentioned from LSU, six two and change. He's going to run the four fours. Didn't have great production at LSU because they didn't have anyone to get him the ball. But he he showed this week that he can get off the line of scrimmage. He can get vertical, and he's got easy speed. Um, Anthony Miller from Memphis, I think. You know, I don't know if he's going to go as quite as high as maybe the hype right now, but I think he's a, a player that can be a really good number two for you and, and be a starter in the league. Um, you, know, you go down the line. There's even Jordan Lastly. The more tape I watch out of out of UCLA, the more I just I think this guy's. If he can get it right off the field, he has. I would argue maybe first round talent. Certainly top fifty type, just raw ability. Six one two ten and. And appears, I, we don't have any official numbers on him, but appears on tape that he can scoop. So I, I, those are some names that, to look at kind of day two range, I think, at the wide receiver position. Multiple Todd, co- Todd, Todd left out the, the, the Maryland Terrapin, which he always does, DJ Moore, but that's okay. I do it Thank on, I do it on purpose. You. Thank you, Josh. DJ I know you did. Left that right me. over him. Yeah, you DJ vouch Moore for him from Maryland. a lot, Mel. He's from Philly. I mean, come on. Good player. But I guess he is a very terrible. good player. Don't, hey, don't sleep on him, Todd. Let's say there's yeah. multiple questions here. I have one from Ravens Nation KP. Hmm. Sounds like that might be Mel's account. Or uh, multiple ones, though, asking about interior pass rushers. Who are the guys who can, from the inside, what teams can, can get? You know, um, question. I mean, are there any at the top of the board, Mel? Who are the guys that can move around a little bit? But just in general, talk about interior, interior. pass rushers. Interior disruptors, whatever the heck we want to call them, within round one and maybe nearby. Well, I think the interior disruptor, uh, Maurice Hurst has the chance. He was the most disruptive, you know, guy I think at the collegiate level. Vita Vea will be expected to be a, a great player in the Haloti Nada mold. Uh, Deron Payne had an outstanding, even though his stats don't indicate he's disruptive. He was just watch the games. He was disruptive without the stats. Harrison Phillips Stanford, the most productive defensive lineman in terms of tackles. Taven Bryan's going to test out as probably the most physically and athletically gifted coming out of Florida. I was impressed, Todd, and I went back and looked at the underclass, and we all try to catch up on some of the underclass. We kind of surprised us by coming out early. Tim Settle from Virginia Tech grabbed my attention a little bit when I went back and watched. I saw him superficially during the year, but when you watched him and you started, Tim Settle from Virginia Tech can play. And I was a little surprised he came out. Now, if you watch him, you're probably not a surprise. So I think he's got a chance. Uh, uh, Dietrich Senat from South Florida made some things happen uh, you know, there as well. But I would say uh, that top group's not bad. That, that group of defensive tackles pretty good. And I would think you're probably going to get, after all said and done, four first-rounders out of that group. Todd, you got to see Mo Hurst and probably watch tape on him with Michigan coaches. Is could he be the could he be the first guy among that group? Um, I don't know. I think I think Vita Vey has got a, a chance to be. I I like him. I it's funny because I I've got a couple of friends in the league that are not nearly as high on on Hurst for whatever reason. Um, we kind of go back and forth on it, but I to me. Two years ago, when they had the you know the couple guys get drafted off that defensive front, I thought he was the most consistently dominant. He wasn't mm-hmm. even technically a starter; I mean, he was rotating in and out. And I thought this past year, I haven't done all of his tape, but the tape I've done, I, I thought he continued to be really effective and got a lot more attention, obviously, from opposing offensive linemen with three guys from the group the year before getting getting drafted in the league. So I, I think he's a really good player. I think he belongs later in the first round, and I, I think he's got a chance to to be an impact interior rusher at the next level. All right. This one, 
we hear it every year, but it's really early on. You know, I'll give you an example from last year. Jamal Adams. What am I talking about? A question coming in here um, from uh, Daniel Cangeter, if I could said that right, asking, Mel, you can start early on. I, I get it. You long time to you know get your evals together. But who are you looking at right now as a, one of the safest players in the first round of this draft? I, I mentioned Jamal Adams last year just because there was a mm-hmm. consensus um, that. This guy, you got a really high floor on him. Safe usually means versatile because if he, it always said if the tackle can't make a tackle, he can go inside the guard. And we've seen that with even Mandarich, who's considered a big bust as he was, mm-hmm. but he played pretty well guard Robert and gallery. gallery. And the yeah. list goes on and on. So if you get the safety corners, if you get the, the inside outside linebacker types, guys can be pretty much, and we got a lot of that. Uh, you know, the running backs usually outside of when Cleveland drafts a running back, Trent Richardson was the last bust at running back, you know, a Cleveland Brown typically. The Browns have had all the busts over the years, but you know, unless they kind of jinx everything, as they have over the years, I think you know Saquon Barkley is pretty safe. But I think based on the way he, how hard he plays, how intense he is, how he practices so hard, Bradley Chubb should be. And pass rushers are usually usually a little risky, but Chubb should be. Minka Fitzpatrick should be safe. Todd Roquan Smith, linebacker Georgia, should be. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker Virginia Tech, should be because he's got great versatility inside or outside. Though Rashawn Evans, linebacker at Alabama, should be because he's versatile. But I would say the safest pick in the draft, you know, if you take Barkley out of the equation, I'm going to say either Minka Fitzpatrick or Roquan Smith. Todd, what do you do? Take us across the finish line here. Who do you see as a really safe pick? And that could even fall further down the board, as odd as that sounds. But who who seems safe to you? I think Quentin Nelson's really safe. I, I mean, Guard I just... out of Notre Dame. Yeah, when I just think about who are the guys that I really would be shocked if they don't translate to the next level and have success. I think Isaiah Wynn from another guard from Georgia. Those are two guys I just, you know, I don't think, I don't, how much value do you believe you get from guard? And, and I'm not saying that they're going to be the best players in the draft, but I feel really safe with those two guys. Um, yeah, I, I would go probably with Chubb if we're talking about the top, the top prospects. I just think, it translates in a is a pass rusher b he's got the quickness he's got size he's got he does a really good job with his hands he can bend the edge he can use power he really mixes it up and he loves the game and is going to give great effort so you know there's always injuries and there's always some you know some crazy situations but just looking at it right now to me chubb all, kind of checks all the boxes that you look for when you're looking for a player that you really believe is not going to be a bust at the next level. Yeah, and I'll go a little further, Todd, said about the interior line. I think Billy Price is pretty safe, Todd. He can play center guard. Yes, I, uh, he, I mean, coming out of Ohio State, better than Elf Line. Elf Line did a good job Char- with the Vikings. Characters off the yeah. charts. Yeah. Yeah. Super, yeah, strong, tough kid. And, yeah. and, honestly, yeah. and by the way, just to show people a little bit on process here, when you're talking about, at least this is my impression, so please answer it for me, but I hear loves football. I hear these things that you're getting when you're talking to their coaches, talking to scouts, talking to people who've interviewed them at the combine. When you say safe players, a lot of this is intangible. Am I correct here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 60, yeah. 60 plus percent of, of scouting now has become, has become character, you know, the background checks, figuring out off the field and on the field, football character and just the you know the, the character of the person, um, and that combined with the, the durability aspect of it, which is very difficult to predict. But you have to see 
you know, are there injuries that have gone on behind the scenes? Are there concussion issues, concerns and issues there that we don't, don't maybe know about? So, you know, just digging. I, it, it's always mind blowing to me when I talk to scouts and how much of their time during the fall. I talked to this one scout who said he spent sixty percent of his time on just durability and background checks and trying to find out who these guys are, and that he was gone from I think it was August, like the last week in August until a, like two weeks ago, he was home eighteen days the entire fall. Home 18 days. I mean, he was on the road all but 18 days in about a four plus month period. And so the, the amount of time that they spend digging in the neighborhoods, uh, at the school, all that stuff, it really, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how many guys are out there just grinding all fall long. That person sounds like the opposite of Mel. <laughs> the homebody. Hey guys, we already got, we have a huge wager on the line here, uh, on Mike White, obviously. Millions of dollars there. Biggest question, Todd. Give me your score, Super Bowl pick. Let's wrap this sucker up, Mel. What do you got? Who do you guys? Philadelphia got? twenty-seven, New England twenty-four. Holy cow! You want to know what? ESPN.com. I put in my pick. Todd's going to start laughing in a minute. I put in Philly twenty-seven, Patriots twenty-four. No way. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. I'm Todd. Take New England thirty-five to seven. Yeah. No, I got. I'm going with you guys, which means they're definitely not going to win. <laughs> I'll tell you. Last. I'm on. Give a me three, a score, McShane. Come on. Run. Come on, Todd. The thing people forget about Super Bowls is people forget how how often Vegas gets beat up on them. Uh, you know, the Rams were 13 – excuse me, Brady was a 13-point dog to Kurt Warner's Rams. You know, even as recently as a, a couple years ago, Denver was, what, seven, eight-point dogs to Carolina. Well, for all the Super Bowls, the Patriots have won. They, they've never won by more than one Three score, points, right? Right, yep. yep. So – all right, well, yeah, just, hey, Josh, wait, a Josh, wait, 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 wait. We got to give McShay he has to give a score for the Super Bowl. Um, okay, I'll go 31-28. Philadelphia. Wow, so, Josh, 20, so everybody's got 14? the Eagles. All right, we like yeah, it. I would. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go pound the bookie right now with the Patriots. Then, <laughs> <laughs> if, if these four idiots Todd, all have yeah. the Eagles. Todd, uh, Todd's got a. Todd's got pretty good ammo <laughs> to go the other to reverse bet this. All right, guys. Uh, we hit the we hit the big trades. We hit the senior bowl risers fallers and Mike White second versus fifth for a million bucks. It's all here. Super Bowl picks. Josh, anything left? No, I think that covers it. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go to Freeze in Minneapolis tomorrow. Should be fun. Good luck. See you there. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.